welcome to the Ghouls Magazine podcast, a podcast that looks at horror through the female perspective. I'm your host today, Zoe. It is April, so that means we're looking at coming of age horror. So what does that exactly mean? Well, I would say that I'm categorizing it in a couple of different ways. So the first is films that are about coming of age. So think about films that are embodied with teen angst, but bloodthirsty sexual desires and violent emotions. Or it could be films that are defined our coming of age and horror journey. So for instance, my personal film is The Evil Dead, uh, which my dad allowed me to watch at the ripe age of 13, which for some is a little bit later um, in people's horror journeys. But that was the film that awakened my teen self to the world of fear. So that's how I defined my kind of coming of age and horror journey. Before I introduce my lineup of guests, if you want more coming of age horror this month, plus bonus podcast episodes and extra content every single month, then you can sign up to our Ghouls Mag membership, which is usually $4.99 a month, but it's currently just 99p. So you can get all the good stuff for the first month for 99p, and then you can also help to keep us alive on a monthly basis. So do check the show notes to find out more about that. Okay, enough from me. So now it is time to introduce my guest today. So first up, I have Iona. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. How are you? I am well. It is a beautiful sunny day here in the UK. Um, Isn't it so nice? (laughs) It is wonderful. I'm looking forward to also eating lots of uh, chocolate eggs on Sunday, which is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, I've got my stash uh, next to me and I'm going to try not to munch down on some chocolate eggs whilst we're doing this recording because I don't think that'll be great for sound purposes. <laughs> I say go for it. Everyone loves a bit of munching <laughs> in the background. Um, and for yeah. anyone that doesn't know you, Iona, what do you do? So I am a senior contributor for Ghouls Magazine. I do lists, I do reviews, I do editorial bits, um, and I also have the pleasure of accompanying you on a couple of events that we do uh, via Ghouls as well. So that keeps me busy, which is always fun, and also gives me an excuse to hang out with you, Zoe, so I'm always quite happy. <laughs> I don't think most people would want that, to be honest. But, you know. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a weird little friendship, the two of us, don't we? <laughs> It's very bizarre. I hope no one ever gets my leaked WhatsApp uh, messages to you or anyone for that matter of fact, which thinking of the rest of the group, well, I've got some more ghouls here with me today. So next up, I have Meg. How are you? And uh, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself as well. Uh, I'm very good. Uh, But unfortunately, I don't have any Easter eggs, which I only realised today. So I feel that needs to be rectified quite quickly. so I will also be joining in the monster egg munch, uh, but I just need to actually procure the egg. Um, but I will. Um, but yeah, so I'm a contributor for Ghouls Mag. Love it. Very excited to still be writing um, for Ghouls. So I do sort of editorials and reviews. Um, and I'm also part of the Monstrous Flesh Collective and I'm co-host of the Monstrous Flesh podcast. Um, and so we've got events and things coming up. So that's very exciting. 
Um, and yeah, just writing and my spooky ramblings for anyone who'll have them. And I'm very pleased that ghouls did have them. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. And I was actually listening on a run the other day to uh, your latest, I think it's your latest episode of Monstrous Flesh on Teeth, which is a fantastic film. I was very much enjoying, you know, listening to the words vagina dentata whilst running along the road. It's a bit of a weird contrast, (laughs) I find. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and you will have seen from that my absolute love for uh, vagina dentata. So... (laughs) I can, uh, it's something I would like more people to talk about and listen to while they're running. I think we absolutely should. Um, (laughs) I'm thinking of body horror and someone that loves things that are a little bit disturbing and nasty. Ariel, how are you? (laughs) Hello. I am hopefully not as disturbing and nasty as the things that I love, but uh, I I will take that moniker anytime, anytime. Um, I am good. I am good. I am uh, in the midst of uh, planning a film festival in July. Uh, I'm a filmmaker and podcaster and author. Um, I do a lot of different kinds of things, but uh, between making horror films and putting together a horror film festival in Summit that is featuring a few ghouls as well um, for the summertime, it's it's all kind of exciting right now in my world. So yeah. I know. I'm very, very excited um for what you have coming up. And yeah, I think it's gonna be gonna be super fun. Uh do we know when more details will be announced? So the official details will be fully announced May twenty second, but uh in the meantime um, there is a website, accesshorror.com, that you can go to to find out more information about our summit on disability and horror. Exciting stuff. Well, last but not least, Kat, how are you? I am very well. I mean, I'm halfway through the Easter holiday, which with a four-year-old is always entertaining. You suddenly go from entertaining them for three hours a day to like eight hours a day. So that's and she can't watch anything that I like to watch. So it's uh, a lot of Sing 2 this week, as in a lot of Sing 2. Um, but yeah, I'm Kat. I'm a, a new a new ghoul. Um, you guys very graciously uh, accepted me. I am hoping, I've done a couple of reviews. I'm hoping to do some more. Um, but when I'm not chasing a four-year-old, I'm just watching and reviewing as much horror content as I can. Yes, I feel like you are very, very busy. Obviously, you know, you've got a young in there that I'm sure keeps you super busy, as you mentioned. Um, But yeah, I see the amount of films that you're watching and, you know, we're in a couple of uh, group chats together about like horror critics. And I don't know how you get through all those films, to be honest. I feel like my brain, once I've watched two in a row, I'm I'm done. My brain just stops working. It's, it's, I think this is the thing, I think it's a misconception about, reviewing films and watching films is that oh it's dead easy you just sit around and watch films all day but it's like training for like a marathon or something you really have to like put the work in it going to film festivals and making it through a whole day without having a nap in your chair is an endurance test in its own so yeah it's been many years of slowly building up to yeah some days it can be six or seven films in a day uh, my husband takes a little one off and I just watch through them a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights, 
but it, it's worth it to, to see everything. It's the only way to try and see everything, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you are you are doing a justice for us all because, yeah, I don't think... I mean, I've tried to do, like, a few film festivals and movie marathons and I am the shittest at them. I literally get three films in. I'm like, that's me done, guys. I'm out. Um, Or I get sick, like, the time... I did a movie marathon and vomited watching vom- slaughtered vomit dolls, which is perfect timing. So yeah, not doing that again. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about coming of age horror. So I kind of pitched to you all um, this theme about coming of age horror. I've asked you all to bring a film with you today, which we will go into. But before we kind of go through what our picks are and whether we've gone for um my kind of categorization, let's say, of number one or number two um, around coming of age films. I'm really keen to know uh, how, I guess, do you define coming of age as a as a general theme and what kind of like constitutes um, as coming of age, not necessarily within horror, but just like generally. Um, what about you, Ariel? Yeah, so for me, like, I've actually written for Ghouls Magazine specifically about the first horror film that I ever watched, which I watched at age three, which I would definitely say is not coming of age. Coming of age may be a lot of things, but it's not watching Nightmare on Elm Street at age three. Um, Personally, I think my pick for coming of age film uh, is, I'm also cheating a little bit because I, I picked a coming of age TV show, actually, which probably tips my hand a little bit as to what it is, um, that I saw at age 13 at a movie marathon with uh, my best friends, just watching horror movies till dawn at a sleepover, like you do in middle school. Um, And, you know, I, I feel like coming of age horror is something that very specifically is something that is your entryway, your your gateway drug, if you will, into the world of horror, Um, whether or not it's your first exposure or not, it is how you kind of reflect on your own age at that point. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about anyone else? Do you agree with that? Think the same? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree kind of along the same lines. I think for me, horror, like coming of age, well, specifically horror for, for me would be a navigation, a navigation of trauma for the teens involved. Um, but for general coming of age, I feel like it's a navigation of life and what you are facing at that age group, whether that is the characters within the film or whether it's the audience that's kind of experiencing it. So it could be like an education in like puberty for like Carrie or something like that. Or it could be like uh, your first love and your first romance and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just think it's really a benchmark for a major stage in your kind of life development, as you'd say. Yeah, I'm a sucker for any coming of age, any genre. I think I'm desperate to still be a teenager. So the more films I can get that let me go back to experiencing that, the better. I mean, I'm still very much a person that will watch the teen shows when they they come out. I refuse 
to get old and so I'm just going to watch Coming of Age Forever and just always be on the precipice of uh, of turning into an adult. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about it because um, I had an interview the other day and I, I was talking about, somebody said, what got you into horror? And um, and I just thought, I were always spooky and weird, you know, like from birth, I think. Um, so it's I think that idea of the film that turned me on to horror, it's, you know, I were always reading, um, you know, like fairy tales and folklore and seeking out really dark, grisly ones, like original grim sort of ones. And, and then obviously I grew up in the golden age of horror TV for kids. So like, are you afraid of the dark? And um and stuff like that and red point horror and we're just always like seat in horror I think but coming of age to me I think Iona's really encapsulated my thoughts on it as well is it's it's I like coming of age horrors because I think you get to see that experience that's traumatic for everybody you know regardless of when you become you know you come of age and whatever that means but it's like really traumatic so it's nice to see films where that's sort of displayed with all its horrors so I, I do like them and I don't think it necessarily has to be like teenage protagonist you know going through things it can mean different things at different points in your life can't it but um but yeah like picking one film were really difficult and I'm probably going to cheat and just mention like three and dare you to stop me <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm, now you've said it that way I don't think I want to try and stop you Meg there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it sounds like we all see it quite similar, similarly to one another in the sense that it's like, you know, we were all clearly like little spooky kids and then coming of age was like discovering horror. But there's like those particular films that really kind of like bring it to life for us. And I think it's really interesting because I'm sure we all have like quite varying films whilst they might sit within the horror genre. I'm sure they're going to like bring different perspectives which obviously you know really keen to to get into that um and I guess I'd love to kind of know like for me when I think of my coming of age story you know is I mean teenage years were were a horror in themselves you know as you kind of mentioned there why do you think there's like such a close connection with the horror genre and coming of age and and do you also think that like you get that in any other kind of film genres as strongly Uh, no no I don't think you do actually and I think that's true for a lot of other topics that are covered in horror I think horror is brilliant at magnifying things but also acknowledging things that I, I think other genres don't really do so horror never it doesn't shy away from the horror of adolescence or you know different life events and it's I mean obviously I'm preaching to the choir here because we're all massive horror fans but I think the fact that it's still so maligned as a genre as though it's it's not doing that work you know if you think about films that are so resonant particularly in recent years we've had really powerful and you know emotional horror um and but I don't think any other genre really expresses it in the way that horror does although I might be biased being spooky so I could be biased on that one (laughs) I mean I I I think I agree with you there Meg apart from maybe the kind of a comedy romance genre just only because the the reason I say is just because the excess of the emotions you get in like the coming of age horror is 
quite, I think, similarly mirrored in the like social awkwardness you get in the rom-com kind of side. But I mean, in terms of like the horrificness of like any kind of coming of age stage in your lifespan, as you said, horror, horror is the one for that. Like, I don't think anyone disagrees there. No, I think, I think there are. I think oh. sorry, I think there are some non-horrors that do capture it quite well. Like thirteen and eighth grade have some. There's a scene in eighth grade where the protagonist ends up locked in a car with a with an older guy, which is just horror. It's just so intense to to watch. Um, and while I think there are a few films like that, it really is horror that fully embraces the full spectrum of feelings and emotions you look at something like ginger snaps it's a perfect metaphor for going from being a girl to to a woman and i don't think there's any non-horror film that tackles menstruation at all full stop it's that taboo subject isn't it but it's something that many people go through and thank god there's a film that expresses it in in such a fun yeah fun way Actually, I I hadn't seen Ginger Snaps and I recently um watched I think it's all three of them. I think there's just the and uh yeah, I was surprised at like how detailed it was around kind of like women's bodies and you know, like you said, like menstruation. I was quite I was like, oh wow, I've not seen this in a horror film before and I really enjoyed that aspect of it because I was like, oh, why do why are there not more films that focus on that? And I feel like I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, I've done a lot of podcast listening, so they're all kind of merging at once. But someone's talking about a new horror film uh, about someone that is cat. I feel like you might have mentioned me. this. Yeah, it was you, wasn't it, on the <laughs> yeah. podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love apparently I'm, I'm now known for uh loving my uh my period horror um yeah run sweetheart run uh on amazon prime in the uk yeah that a, was it a, a woman being pursued by a monster over one night she is on her period and she does not have any products and my biggest stress factor of watching the film was can somebody give this woman a tampon and when she gets it can she please hold on to it can someone just give her two minutes? Because <laughs> that's like the big thing is that this monster can smell her blood and he's pursuing her um, based on that scent alone. Yeah, that was it. That was that was the line I heard. It was actually in the upcoming Ghouls Magazine podcast, which will come out after this. So, you know, Kat, you have a double one. It's like going back and forward in time there. <laughs> I've, I've kind of done a weird thing. Um, Ariel, what about you in terms of like the connection between horror and coming of age? Well, for me, like, I feel very strongly that there are these films, like Kat already mentioned Carrie and so forth, that are, you know, so incredible at, you know, dissecting all the horrors of puberty in general and how, you know, I, I, I can't wait now to see Run, Sweetheart, Run after your description. I, I absolutely have to run out and see that film. But I I feel like, there is nothing more horrific than being a woman and discovering that, you know, your body is going to do these horrific things that you want no part of at all. And, you know, when you are at that particular stage of life, I feel like it's, 
it's so it's so powerfully scary and horror is just the best place to express all of that fear and anxiety that we all share and it gives us kind of a collective catharsis and allows us to kind of breathe a sigh of relief all at one time and it's it's beautiful it really is beautiful and you're right like there's so much i don't I feel like, you know, being a, and, and being a, a teenage girl as well, I feel was a really fucking hard world to navigate. Like there's mm-hmm. so much going on as we've kind of like alluded to there, a lot of body horror happening, um, which is like really intense and quite, you know, overwhelming to process. And then just dealing with like, you know, I mean, I, I grew up where it was, you know, if you weren't like a size zero and you weren't like super skinny, you know, you had the, it was like Kate Moss saying, um, what is it like? Nothing tastes so good as skinny feels kind of era. So it was like everyone got, you know, body dysmorphia, had really bad like body image, etc. So I feel like so many of us grew up in a, in shitty times where just what we thought was, was normal as a teen really really wasn't um and like you said Ariel as well kind of like cathartic being able to like watch horror and get that out of our system so yeah I'm really excited um that we're talking about coming of age horror today so let's get into our picks for the day because now I want to know so first of all I'm gonna go to you Kat for your choice and so for me I was introduced to horror very young. So again, coming of age is more the the film. I'd been watching, I was a point horror reader. And so I'd been steeped in horror as well. And I was very much the generation where we went around to people's houses and we had sleepovers and we were watching like The Craft and I Know What You Did Last Summer. But I think for me, the one that I'm going to choose for my coming of age would be Hellraiser and that's because as much as I'd consumed a lot of horror content before and I watched Aliens when I was like seven um, and loved it I think Hellraiser was the one that really got under my skin and I love it but it's the only film that terrifies my mother she brought me raised me on on horror but she is terrified of the Hellraiser films so at age 12 or 13 I think it was um it was on like channel 4 late at night and I recorded it on my VHS and I watched it because I wanted to see what film it was that scared my mum who was this like iron woman that nothing could terrify and it was just so different to anything else I'd seen like I say I was watching a lot of slashes a lot of teen slashes and then to see it's very adult story, but it still felt like a fairy tale in a way. You've got um, Julia is the ultimate wicked stepmother, and you've got um, Ashley Lawrence's character Kristen uh, Christie as the Snow White, and you've got the bumbling father who doesn't really know what's going on. It really spoke to me and sort of awakened, I guess in a way, this sort of sexual side that I hadn't necessarily realised because it's a very sexual film and yeah it stirred a lot of emotions inside me that I wasn't necessarily expecting it to I am do you know what I never thought of of Hellraiser as a a coming of age 
film, you know, but you're kind of right. Like it's, I, I can't remember what age I watched that, but it was after like some of the film. But yeah, I remember it being a film that like stuck in my head a lot as well. Like as a teen, I was like, holy shit, that's fucking brutal. Like very, very dark. And I think also like at, when I saw it, then what I didn't know like the world of you know kind of like BDSM and stuff so like you said Kat lots of like sexual awakening there which I think is like it's interesting from that point of view I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are on Hellraiser as a coming like that's a cool coming of age film I, I wish Hellraiser were my coming of age film <laughs> I really do because yeah, I so do I <laughs> I feel like that film is so enlightened compared to a lot of other films and their depiction of sexuality um i i feel like you know especially for those of us to identify with the queer scene or the kink scene like it's it's really such a beautiful love story of a horror film and uh you know it's 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 a very different kind of way of looking at um how sexuality is portrayed in film and and I, I I'm very envious of you Kat <laughs> I just I, I just wanted to prove I was braver than my mum it was like this oh, <laughs> she she went to see she went to see the third one because somebody told her she doesn't like the chatterer and that she was told it wasn't in it and I was have been about like five or six and the babysitter had gone and my mum came home and she made me get out of bed and go into her bedroom and wait for her to get into bed and then I had to turn her light off and then I had to take myself back to bed because she was so terrified the chatterer had been in the third film and she spent the whole last hour of the film watching like the bottom of the screen of the cinema and even at the age that she was then she was so terrified to go to bed without that there's those couple of steps from the light switch to the bed that was too much for her so she was like come on child this is what I this is what I bore you for um so it, it had always been it always been around as I was growing up as this forbidden like you can watch any horror film you want but not that one and I remember when I was watching it she came in to like oh what do you want for dinner tonight what's this Hellraiser and she was gone and she was down at the bottom of the stairs and then she would just like shout it up like just let me know what you want for dinner she won't even come into the room so I think it was that sort of taboo it was all the film deals with taboos but it was also a taboo for me to be watching it that I think kind of pushes it into that coming of age thing for me it was something more than any of the other horror that I consumed to that point I do love the thought of that being a forbidden fruit film yeah. that is such a good vibe for Hellraiser <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up though, because I just love it. And I, I read, I think I read the Hellbound Heart before I saw it film, and really loved it. And then I just think Hellraiser. I have seen some of the sequels. I've not seen all of them. I've still yet to see Hellraiser in space, um, which I'm, you know, that is on the list. But I just think it's, yeah, it's a really cool film to have picked. And like when I saw it, I always really related in a way to like Frank to this idea that this world's not enough what else is there like I think that's quite a relatable thing particularly I mean I can only speak to an experience as a teenage girl but I think particularly for me as a teenager just thinking this can't be it <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean I grew up in Barnsley so that's understandable that I was like this, <laughs> this can't be it. but you know like this this like desire to see even if you're going to suffer the consequence like I think that is very relatable as well and I think they do it in such a brilliant way um yeah 
And I don't like chatter either. He don't scare me. It just makes me feel a bit sick. I was like slavering all the time. Like, Ugh. Do you, I've, I've become I've become friends with um, Nicholas Vince who plays Chatter in in Hellraiser one and two and Mum's just like no no he's lovely he's like a really jolly guy she's like no anybody that wants to play the Chatter with something no sick so it's it's still it's still this great point with us that the Hellraiser is is still this thing that she's terrified of but I grew up as well with like my non-horror content all the aliens and terminator and terminator 2 which is strong female characters mm-hmm. and hellraiser in julia you've got one of the the strongest female characters in horror and she's also a villain which is something that we don't see very often in the genre still to this day so i think that also spoke to me as well that women can be the villain in these things too yeah i think seeing i think for me like seeing um villains when I was younger I was like yeah that's what I want to be when I'm older I was like I want to be the bad guy I want to be because I guess as well like like when I was growing up it's very much um you know like girls are good boys are you know naughty and girls must wear pretty dresses and you know always look pretty and I was like and I was a big tomboy when I was younger like I was hanging around with these two boys we were jumping in thorn bushes um and doing moonies at cars and my parents you know my parents were like that's not how girls behave and I was like I don't fucking care I want to show my butt off to all these cars on the motorway um <laughs> which now I'm like oh my god I'm horrified at my behavior <laughs> but you know at the time so I think I think like to your point Kat like it is so nice to see like I guess non-traditional like characters that you can kind of like I was gonna say aspire to don't know if you should aspire to be like Julia you know, you know, the fashion maybe the shoulder pads. I don't oh know. yeah, it's... oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a power move there. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hellraiser, a fantastic choice. Absolutely love that. Um, and yeah, it's about time to actually do a Hellraiser rewatch soon. So I'm gonna put that on my to rewatch list. Um, next up, Ariel. What about you? What's your pick? So my pick is from 1990, It. It is, in my opinion, maybe the seminal uh, coming-of-age horror in the world. Um, The 1980 television show, for those who haven't been lucky enough to see it, is honestly one of the most terrifying things that uh, I saw at a sleepover marathon with my friends when I was 13 and made me terrified to go into the bathroom ever again because I was positive Pennywise was going to come out of the drain and (laughs) you know Tim Curry in all his glory was going to you know eviscerate me post haste and I I stand by it today as one of, you know, I think the scariest portrayals of a villain in general, speaking of villains, I feel like um, Tim Curry is Pennywise. Bill Skarsgård did a great job, but I'm sorry, he's not anywhere near as terrifying as Tim Curry fight me. for me. Let's fight. I will fight Everyone, you in the parking fight. lot, Zoe. I will fight you in the parking lot. Let's go. I knew, let's do it. I knew you were going to say this, Zoe. I knew you were going to be like, I've got a problem with this. <laughs> 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 but that's that's what this is about, right? It's about ghouls fighting each other. Ghouls and ghouls, you know? 
Ghouls on Ghouls, tough it out. <laughs> you um, so you said you watched the It at a sleepover, and funnily enough, I also watched It at my, I think it was my fourteenth, thirteenth, or fourteenth sleepover, and. I don't know about you, but none of my friends came back over for a sleepover again. Oh no, we we all we all were were in it to win it. Like we just stayed constant to, you know, this this theory of like how scared can we make each other, and you know, what is what is the scariest thing we can possibly find? And I will tell you, we we deliberately just went to the video store and rented all the things that were labeled horror, which of course included the Rocky Horror Picture Show as well. And so, you know, Tim, speaking of Tim Curry and villainous roles, you know, that was another one that, you know, changed my childhood quite a bit, but. Nothing, nothing in the world is ever going to be as villainous, villainously sexy as Tim Curry oh, in I Rocky mean, Horror Picture Show. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely so much raw power that's what that is it is it is it's just that man that man could do any role and i'm like yes but in rocky horror picture show hell yes and then in for uh what's it called um something the last oh fern gully the last yes. when he plays pollution oh, i love that i love fern gully oh yeah. his voice his voice yeah. or legend where he's the devil oh my god yes oh my oh. god is this is this just going to turn into us like fanning over Tim Curry for an Maybe. hour? Because I'm fine Maybe. with that too. Why not? Yeah. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> it's really funny though because I also watched it asleep. Like I, I can't. I don't think it was a sleepover. I think I went to my friend's house after school and we watched it. Obviously, I can't, and I were at primary school. I remember, and I would. I I can't remember if I was scared of clowns before. But I was definitely scared of clowns afterwards. Um, and, and we watched it. And I just remember that, we, you know, with sheet. And he sort of comes through bed sheets. And it's so awful. And then my friend had this really awful clown, like on a, on like an old-fashioned, like, penny farthing bike. Like some sort of porcelain clown. I don't know why she, why you would have that. To me, that's an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> and after we watched it and we were, like, talking about it, really freaked out. It were on this shelf and we were all looking at it. And we were like, oh, it moved. Oh, it moved. Running, screaming out of the house just gone screaming down the street so i'm still not wild about clowns now to be honest but um it does seem to be a formative experience for everybody doesn't it <laughs> yeah definitely oh yeah no i agree i agree with uh especially that that version of it definitely is like very coming of age i mean like I mean to be fair, like I know, I know, Zoe, you're a you're a big fan of the of of the Bill Skarsgård version as well. But both both versions, the the kids and the protagonists in those, I think, really go through the ringer in terms of their their developmental process. <laughs> they those those poor children do not grow up to be okay. No, I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, I I also love this version as well. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm. You know, you wouldn't have uh, Skarsgård as Pennywise if you didn't have Tim Curry as Pennywise. So it's fine. You know, they all <laughs> live in the same world. Of we can love them all. Um, but yeah, I feel like can you imagine being like a teenager trying to navigate the world, and then all of a sudden there's a fucking clown constantly like chasing you all the time and popping up in the library, and when you go to the toilet, like. It's it's really quite the worst thing that could happen. Like the worst. Actually, 
Ariel, I have a question for you because I was talking with some, um, a couple of friends the other day about obviously the book of it uh-huh. and the scene. So in terms of coming of age, yeah. sorry for the pun there, what do we think <laughs> of... <laughs> I'm so sorry, Canelva. What do we think of the massive orgy scene in the Stephen <laughs> King novel? Yes, I know. I know. Oh, so, so, I mean, this is why I think it is such a great coming of age work. Because even though it's not in any of the film representations of it, I think it's the subtext of it is always there. And, you know, just just a little bit of, you know, a sexual something that's always kind of on the tip of your tongue when it comes to the character of Pennywise. And when it comes to the way that, you know, people are treating this subject and these children and the way that they're being sexualized. I mean, especially in Beverly's case, for example, with her abusive father and all of that. But I feel like, um, you know, when you read the book, the book is like, what the fuck just happened? I can't believe, you know, and, but at the same time, I do think that there is something to kind of the epic, feeling of like okay this is a ritual like this is the tunnel we're all going through and this is the moment um and it's it's really interesting to me you know looking at it uh from the lens of a coming of age horror because I do feel like uh so much of coming of age material you know shies away from the sexual because people are afraid to sexualize teenagers or because um you know they think that our horror should always be sanitized which is a struggle that we're always fighting against in the ghouls chat so you know (laughs) but i and i appreciate that that stephen king goes all out in this heavy candid symbolic imagery but at the same time, it's like when you watch the films, even though it's been scrubbed out of there, I don't know. I still feel it. I still feel it when I watch them. And I don't know if that's just because I've read the book or if there's anyone here who hasn't read the book who doesn't know what we're talking about. I'm I'm curious. See, I read the book uh, when I was pregnant. So I had watched uh, the original miniseries and then the first uh, the first of the the remake films and I think you're right I think there is something there maybe it's just something as simple as all of the boys fancy Bev to some degree like all the boys are sexualizing are sexualizing her to, to some degree that that kind of when I did read the book it wasn't I mean it's it's kids having an orgy it's obviously a bit of a shock but it wasn't necessarily as much of a shock as as one might have expected because there is that weird thing of well, she's the only girl, so we all fancy her, and it's that thing of who's who's going to win her affections. It's obviously the main love triangle um, with um, Ben and I've forgotten his name, Bill. No, yeah, Bill. Yeah, um, but all of them, to some degree, are kind of drawn to her, which I think was something that I picked up on, having not read the book. 
And I think that makes sense for the age that they are, because it's like at that age, you, I mean, everyone's like, you're just horny. You, do you know what I mean? So it's like, it doesn't really matter who, what, where, when. Everyone's kind of on the plate for the taking, aren't they? I mean, I remember I was like, I was like, why do I like everyone and everything? I was like, it all seems appealing to me. I was like, I would go for anything right now. Like a lot of emotions and hormones and it's very confusing. So I guess if you put it that way, like, you know, the the kid orgy does kind of make sense, to be honest. As as upsettingly disturbing as it is for us to 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 read, it is it is true. Like there's there's a lot of that underlying weird overt sexualization at that age where like no one really understands how to verbalize it but it's there (laughs) that's a great way to put it i think i think that's great wow it's great choice ariel um and yeah it feels like one that took us to some strange places as it always (laughs) does um clowns and orgies my favorite two topics (laughs) so meg what's your pick for coming of age horror well as we know i've i am the ever a ditherer and there's too much choice and i'm like there's too many films and two of mine that i were going to pick have already been mentioned so ginger snaps and teeth um i think two really fantastic like coming of age films women coming into the um the bodies and their own power and sort of understanding i think what both of them films do really well is is play with that idea of the the sort of fear of your sexuality because you sexualized we all know you know young women are sexualized against the will most of the time the first time you you experience the fact that you're sexual is is quite often not necessarily a very pleasant experience but also that sort of idea that there's power in in your sexuality and in your body and, and in you and how you present to the world and i think they're two films that do it really really well and I don't think Teeth gets talked about enough, if I'm honest. Although I've uh, got a handy Agreed. little book from uh, Zoe there, our next episode from Monstrous Flesh. She's talking about Teeth. Um, but I just don't, I think the comedy horror side of it puts people off. They think it's like not proper, like not a proper, like worthy edition, which I disagree with. But when I was thinking about what film, coming of age film for me, that like were well, the first time I felt represented and seen would definitely be The Craft. So that's my pick. I watched that as a teenager and it was the first time I ever felt like, even though obviously I were in Barnsley, <laughs> I weren't at some like nice race <laughs> high school in America, you know, but the idea of, you know, the, com- the that sort of complicated nature of friendship and them intense relationships with friends and the the confusion of growing up and just being alive in a world that is, you know, constantly sort of changing and confusing I just think is is really well evoked in that film and I wanted to be Nancy still do you know drawn to Nancy not really bothered about you know any sort of the goody um and I did manage to wangle a presentation at Cine Excess about it as well which I was quite pleased last year I'm like forcing the craft down everybody's throat um but I, I mean I think when you watch it back now it's Obviously, it's not without its flaws and it's not without its its issues. But to see it as a as a representation, I think there's a lot of sort of class trauma in that film as well, and like how Nancy's sort of really demonised because she's poor, and that is a big part of it. And also, yeah, so I've I've sort of I got too passionate then. That's what happened. 
I started monologuing. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being passionate about something you love. Honestly, you, I mean, you, you know, you know from the rest of the ghouls lot, like we get so excited about very specific films and we will talk about them till the ends of the earth. <laughs> now, I have an unusual story though about The Craft because The Craft is the film that I was very passionate about, but it is also a film that was the first R-rated film I was able to sneak my friends into by pretending I was their mom. <laughs> that is amazing. No lie. My hair had already started going gray at this point. And like, for whatever set of reasons, they totally believed me when I said, yes, I am their parent. I am purchasing these tickets for the craft. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, I was 14, I think. Yeah. I can imagine all of you going in afterwards and just being like, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> it's like that thing of like borrowing your mum's coat and putting a pair of glasses on your oldest looking friend to go and buy wine in shop. Yes. <laughs> there was always one. I actually, um, I, I photoshopped my passport uh, to say I was 18 and I, I was always going in there. And then my dad found out. And I thought he would tell me off and he went, wow, you really got good at Photoshop, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, fuck yes. So I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad was a graphic designer, so it meant a lot to me that he said that as well. <laughs> well I'm sure you were very proud you were showing such initiative as well. I mean, that's something to be applauded, I think. A resourceful yeah, I mean, message. Yeah, yeah. And it's safer than approaching like some random stranger saying, here's a tenner, can you go and get me some white lightning? You know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, white lightning, that's a throwback. Show <laughs> my age. No, I, I, like, white lightning was also my poison of choice, so fair. I can taste it. Oh, I saw it. You're getting like, um, what's it called? Like uh, physical memories, aren't you? <laughs> you're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> it, was either that, it was either that or uh, Frosty Jacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that was a... That was revolting, one. revolting. Mm, absolutely foul. That's, yeah. that's the definition of UK teenage rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to drink snake bites with uh, white lightning and whatever, like, lager were knocking about. Like, absolutely revolting. Or yeah. they used to do really cheap alka pops in Netto when they still had Nettos. Um, yes. And there'd always be a crate of them at somebody's house at some sort of party, some, like, knockoff Smyrna. Not glamorizing it, but it's the reality. <laughs> the reality of watching craft where you knock off Smyrna. Oh, knock his mum comes upstairs. Oh, brilliant. But yeah, the teenage dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think what the craft does so well is because there are the four girls, there was somebody for everybody to relate to. I say me and my friends watched it a lot at sleepovers and being from a, a single parent family and we didn't have too much money like Nancy just her home life spoke to me I had a my mom's boyfriend um we didn't have a particularly great relationship so I really identified with her but then also Bonnie because Bonnie obviously feels um ugly because she's got some scarring and stuff I was always that very plain friend and so I identified with her and then I know there was others in the group that who were bullied who identified with Rochelle they weren't victims of, of racism but they were victims of bullying so there is that universal themes that a lot of people can relate to 
and it also gave every sleepover you know the perfect game of light of the feather stiff as a board so i think if you grew oh, up yeah. in the 90s and you had a sleepover yeah. you had to try and levitate one of your friends oh of course <laughs> i mean i'm still trying it's never worked yeah. but you know yeah. if i can get anyone to lay still long enough i'm having a go you know <laughs> One one day it's going to happen and you're going to absolutely shit yourself. <laughs> well, my my friends were like, "Oh, let's do a Ouija board." I was like, "Never, don't ask me. I don't know if they work. Don't want to know. Never in the house. We'll never do it." But light as a feather feels like you know a sort of a sort of cheeky game, you know, with demonic forces. I think. <laughs> Where, where's your stance on things like Bloody Mary? Oh God! I, honestly, I remember people doing that, and me like hiding outside bathroom, going, "Oh no, please, I'm don't, I can't stand it." And it made me think of Candyman, because Candyman's yeah. one of my favorite films of all time now. Oh, but when I were yes. a kid, oh my God, so scary! Like that idea about him, just you know, I found that, but I love it now, and I think it's incredible. But yeah, that sort of thing always uh, freaked me out. I think it's that like. I don't, I'm pretty certain it's not going to work, but I'm not 100%, so I'd rather not summon Bloody Mary or Candyman or anybody like that. What's but, the What's, it's not worth the risk. That's what I always thought. I was like, is, is no. doing it and proving a point worth the potential of Bloody Mary coming out the mirror and getting me? Like, no. not really, no, no. no. <laughs> No. See, this this is this is where we differ because I was the exact opposite. I was like, I'm going to prove to you guys this is a load of crap. <laughs> like, I'd I'd go and be like, I'll do it on my own, whatever. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I'm such an hypocrite as well because I'm like, yeah, totally get Frankie and Elraiser, you know, wanting to know solving this box. I'd have thrown it in bin. I'd have gone. I don't want to solve it. I don't want to know. So I am a bit of a hypocrite there, really. You know, I like to see it from a distance. I like to see other people find out the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Those those kind of uh those kind of like spooky sleepover games and stuff. You you saying about like the uh the craft like perfectly kind of merging into that kind of stuff with like light as a feather stiff as a board. It, I think the whole thing with the coming of age for the craft as well is like it builds your coven. Mm. Like I feel like everyone from that kind of age group that really adored the craft had their little like covens and like their girls that they were like with and that was like their bonding experience so you would literally do these sleepovers with your covens and do these like funny little like scary games and stuff and that was like your bonding experience growing up yeah and then take your pocket money and go to claire's and try and buy all you know like patchy air dye and uh, yeah. them black yeah. Yeah. that everybody panic, had panic. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I still use manic panic now sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was the the days of wanting to thinking you were a witch, wanting to be a witch. Me and my friends, we used to um, make our own spells and write them down until like her parents found them and were like, "This is a bit weird." And we were like, "Oh no!" We were like, "Don't look at that! Don't look at that!" Yeah, it was like you know, love potions. Um. <laughs> for boys that never loved us back so I'm going to blame that on the spells and nothing else um but the craft is a yeah fantastic pick Meg and I think you know I know so many people that have said like that is definitely a coming of age film and like really defined to them um their kind of like teen years and and that aspect of what I like to define as being a bit of a spooky bitch um yeah. I guess which you know feels relevant so Iona what is your pick oh right this was hard because I 
so my like coming of age growing up experience i grew up very much during the era of like all the really crap remakes and reboots of like the classic films so like i'm talking like the remake of like prom night and all that kind of stuff yeah. where you watch it when you're a teenager and you're like oh this is this is quite spooky and then you watch the original original and you're like why did i waste my time <laughs> like just watch the original um so i was going to choose something like that but then i did think of a film that i think is because of how it's set uh it's quite timeless because it doesn't really define when it's set so it can be applicable to a lot of people's coming of age experience um so i'm taking it back to sex and i'm going for it follows because what nice. says coming of age more than sexually transmitted demons <laughs> <laughs> and also i adore that film it's like i feel like it perfectly encapsulates a lot of uh our ghouls vibes as well because it's like very neon and it's like it's like an impending creepiness which i feel like a lot of us ghouls appreciate um and yeah and i just i feel like the discussion of sex but not from the kind of virginity perspective just from the being sexually active and kind of coming across those issues that come with being sexually active are really well explored in this film Yeah, yeah, I feel like it makes um, sex really, like when I was at school, sex was positioned as something to be scared of. It was like, you are, will get pregnant, you will get an STD, <laughs> you will have a bad time, it will hurt. you. And I, like, I remember going into having like sex education being like, what the fuck? Coming home, I was like, so blood's going to start coming out of me soon. People are going to try to put penises in me soon and everything's going to hurt and I'm going to have a baby. And my parents were like, whoa, 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 what's <laughs> going on? And I was like, what is this world? And then, yeah, you suddenly realise like, I mean, some of it, yeah, some of it is bad, you know, uh, <laughs> but some of it, you know, is great. And I was like, you know, it doesn't need to be as scary as as school sold it. I feel like they really, yeah, like demonize sex quite a lot at school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it follows really kind of. It, it, it's, it's almost like a visual translation of those fears we were taught in school when it is, like you said, it is literally like you, you will have sex and you will die. <laughs> like it's a, it's, it's a very extreme version that we get taught. So when we start exploring, of course, we're going to be shit scared. Of course, we're going to think that all of this worst case scenario is going to happen to us. And in reality, you get an STI or an STD or that kind of thing. You go to the doctors, you get some medication, you deal with it. Most of the time, it's not the end of the world. It's just part of that journey of exploring sexual activity and just learning the responsibilities. Um, obviously, there is the more serious cases of that. So, you know, play safe, kids. But there is there is that kind of inane fear, I think, that all teenagers slash young adults have in them. And yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm rambling just because I love this film so much, but <laughs> I think I think it does really replicate it very well. It's it's interesting because I think about when I were a teenager seeing like again, you know, late night, but seeing things like Fatal Attraction and things like that that really were part of that sort of like eighties push to demonise sex, particularly like sex outside of marriage in a way to push this, you know, um very Christian agenda of if you have sex outside of marriage, this woman's gonna murder your family basically yeah. you know, just gonna come <laughs> yeah. and you know like these that sort of big push like post um hiv and aids sort of that big cultural discussion in sort of 70s and 80s and things 
and like really demonizing sex and i think it's interesting that that we're seeing that now still because now we're obviously going through a very similar sort of this push to return to this fabricated world of again this very christian values of you know uh, good people only have sex when they're married and all this stuff and we see this puritanical idea and we seem to be going back to it so it's interesting for films like it follows to be looking at that narrative and them fears and sort of yeah i mean gonorrhea would be preferable to a demon you know (laughs) you had to pick but yeah yeah it's interesting now that that fear of sex and fear of um you know like risky quote-unquote risky sexual behavior it's it's an enduring fear in it you know for in society yeah definitely and i think that like although i think i think my main criticism of it follows is it's from a very hetero kind of perspective in that sense but at the same time i feel like it can translate to other forms of sex and i think that the i I think although i was saying it's kind of timeless because it's not really specifically set in a certain time frame it does have those kind of 80s vibes about it at the same time kind of in the background with all like the neon and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and i think that that was done intentionally from from just me watching the film and just assuming this i feel like that was done intentionally because it does bring up those conversations of the more serious uh like sexual sexually transmitted issues that you can have like the hate the hiv and aids epidemic that happened um and that kind of time frame again perfectly kind of encapsulates that Yeah, I love It Follows. I recorded a podcast the other week where we spoke for for a long time about that film. And it's one of those, up until this point, we've been taught that you have sex in a horror film and that's it, curtains. But this, I really enjoy that it spins that on its head. And while sex is Jay's undoing, it's also her power because in order to um, escape it, she can help you she just needs to have sex again so I kind of found it quite empowering in a way because she's come into her sexuality and now she she can use it she's got her agency to to use it um how she how she wishes she can she can succumb to the demon if she wants and sort of get back in the box and, and be a good little girl or she can continue to to further herself and okay some other people might die along the way but she's having a good time then you know I just I think my my only problem with it is that she kind of ends up stuck with Paul and I kind of feel that Paul is not I feel like Paul is that representation of those puritanical views he's very controlling over her even before um, they get together and then for her to sort of end up with him at the end I always saw that as a a little bit of a dampener on her it's like she is in a way sort of pushed back down again by the end of the film yeah I agree with that I've I've, Paul kind of gives me the ick and I could never really verbalize why but I think you've just hit the nail on the head there I think that is the reason it's a bit like oh no like don't let her have let her have her own kind of sexual freedom now that we've you know dealt with the issue (laughs) she can just go off and like have a better time without you it makes me think of teeth. I'm sorry, you see, I'm pushing this teeth agenda again. <laughs> anyone, anyone that pushes teeth, I'm fully there for. So please push teeth. 
the hidden teeth agenda, I came here with an ulterior motive. <laughs> but I think it's that, like, the ending of Teeth, I think, is so powerful for a similar reason that, you know, she Dawn is like, right, this is, I've got this power, really, that other women don't have. And so fuck around, find out sort of thing. And I like that. I like that, you know, you, you sort of imagine her going off into the world and being like, I like you, let's have healthy, you know, a healthy, nice uh, sex life for you, but you're a dick, so I'm going to chomp your dick off. And I like that. <laughs> Carry on. More dawns, that's what we need. Um, but, yeah, that that embracing, sort of understanding and embracing the power of your own sexuality, I think is a really powerful theme um, that that is not explored enough, I don't think. So it's nice when you see that in films, but sad when they end up with weenies like Paul. yeah i really like the the representation of of that aspect about like owning your sexuality and i think another film that kind of does that for me is like raw but maybe maybe like a little more so is like just falling into your i guess teenage sexuality and and not being afraid to like let it run to where it kind of wants to go like you know it's such a confusing time I think around your teens like trying to understand you know your sexuality what it means and and also like I feel like you're forced to put it in a box and it's like it's not always like that you know it's much more fluid and you kind of you don't you don't know yet you like you know go through experimentation phases um you know I remember like getting with this girl and I was like but I didn't think I liked girls and I was so confused by it and I was like oh but you know does it need to and my parents were super open and very you know liberal in their views and they were like it just is what it is you don't need to call it anything and I think I like that about like some of these coming of age films that they kind of you know from a horror point of view they go down that route that it's like it just is what it is and you feel how you feel yeah, I mean, I love a super horny, in excess, coming-of-age film where everything and everyone's sexuality is just feral as fuck. Like, <laughs> if you, like, if you just, like, I mean, another, another kind of example of that kind of veracity is probably Jennifer's body for me. Mm. But that's that kind of, like, raw sexual energy. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's shown for evil, but... <laughs> the same time there's like that freedom and that like overt sexuality that we see on screen so um yeah I will happily fight anyone that says that they want like a sexless kind of horror genre from from now on I'm like no no we need explorations of sex we need it to be like realistic and raw and like dirty and like everything that it is just because if you can't do it in horror where can you do it exactly i think it's interesting though like to see women go beyond just sometimes you see representations and it's like women are just either just driven by either you know sex or more i think more commonly like their relationship to a man so again that very heteronormative Mm -hmm. thing and i think in like what i always really like in ginger snaps again here she is coming back again ginger snaps but is that when she, you know ginger has that she's like i thought that i i get this ache and i thought it was for sex but it's just to tear everything to fucking pieces and i think that's not the teenage girl experience i don't really know what is you know and it back comes back to that idea of you looking outside for 
something and you're not quite sure what it is but finding your own power sort of inside yourself and you, the confidence in yourself to do what you want is part of that coming of age and it's nice to see that represented as well and moving women like in raw and you know moving women away from being side characters putting them front and center and saying these are complicated people who aren't just you know slasher fodder to run around in a bikini that they have got these complex inner lives and i really like that yeah i think i think female autonomy uh in their kind of like sexuality and stuff in horror definitely needs to be on the up and on the go from now on <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Well, talking of uh, sexual things, seeing as you, you brought it up with um, your pick, Iona, of It Follows, I'm continuing on the, the sexual path, of course, um, with something depraved, of course, sex Obviously. depraved, disturbing, <laughs> disgusting, you know, standard. Here we go, Zoe, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have gone many ways, you know, I've put down the list and I was like, mm, that's a bit inappropriate, isn't it? So I didn't do those ones. Um, so my pick, I have gone for uh, Excision, which is from 2012, directed by Richard Bates Jr. Um, this film for me, I, of course, did not see it during my teens because um, it came out after my teens. So, But it's the film that I feel like I wish I had had when I was a teenage girl. Um because I, you know, I found like I found my teens, I mean, I had a great upbringing, you know, nothing really happened, but I found it very difficult to like get through the world. And to your point that you said a minute ago, Meg, about like tearing everything to fucking pieces, I had to go to anger management because I was just so goddamn angry at everything. And then, you know, my dad said I was obsessed with boys all the time uh, and I liked going partying. I fell out into like the wrong crowd. But at the same time, I think it was because I didn't have like I don't know a group of friends that I felt that like understood me you know I felt like I was very kind of separated and uh what I love in excision is is the portrayal of you know a teenage girl that has uh an affinity for like the macabre she's interested in the darker side of things the depraved side of things and you know growing up like me being like oh I want to watch cannibal holocaust whilst the girls around me are like should we go get our nails done I found really like conflicting because I was like is there something fucking wrong with me because like am I not meant to want to go and you know watch like the latest uh Kardashians episode but here I am just like hmm I'm thinking that I would like to watch a woman get impaled uh <laughs> on film that sounds fantastic so yeah excision like to me you know is kind of the film that encompasses that and I think one of the things I really like in the film is the casting um, that they chose Annalyn McCord as Pauline, who is she's like, you know, a model. But in the film, they kind of they make her, I guess, you know, teenagerish. She's got spots. Her hair's often greasy. But in her, you know, in her perceptions of herself, when she has a sexual uh fantasies that are covered in blood she's like the most beautiful woman in the world and it's kind of like how she perceives herself versus how society do and yeah I'm just obsessed with this film and I wish someone had given it to me when I was 13 and was like here's the movie that was made for you you little sick fuck and I would have been like yay 
That's, you know what, Zoe? You've you've named the first film that I haven't seen from this from this recommendations list. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah. Oh I'm, shit. I am adding this. I am adding this to my list. This sounds amazing. I'm I'm really surprised I haven't seen this film since I am also a sick fuck like Zoe. Um, <laughs> I'm very sad I haven't seen it now that I know about yeah. it. It's been on my list for ages and I've just realised because I've not been able to find it like streaming anywhere, I think that's a problem. It's, it's been on me, look for a Blu-ray list and I've just not got around to it, but I'm absolutely obsessed with the premise of it. I think it sounds brilliant. See, I have seen it and I I love it. Um, I love Annalyn McCord. I think it was a genius casting because prior to Excision, she was, she was the Queen Bee in the Beverly Hills 90210 remake. And so there would, I just love the idea that there were people who were obsessed with like Naomi in 90210, like, oh, she's in this new like teen film, let's go and watch it. And then they sit down and they, they watched Excision. I just, I just love that that would have been a sleepover film. And I guess a lot of them would have been horrified by it, but there would have maybe been like one or two of them that were there like going, oh, oh no, I like her. Like, yeah, finally, like, like Zoe was saying, you know, finally there's me on the screen. Mm. Yeah. yeah I think I think that would have been it like the s- some yeah some of those kind of like spooky, spooky bitch girls would have absolutely seen that and been like oh finally I'm represented on yeah. screen as not you know all prim and proper but you know dreaming of having blood blood all over me whilst you know having orgies with absolutely everyone which on that note I just have to point out they're John Waters, Malcolm McDowell and Ray Wise feature in this film. So there's like amazing casting all round. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of scenes of sexual nature that are very, very uh, fucked up, which is cool considering, you know, the landscape we're in um, at the moment. But yeah, I I just think it's an amazing film. Um, And I'm glad that, you know, three out of four have not seen it cat I knew you would have seen it because you you know as we determined earlier you are the 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 queen of horror watching so I mean I would have been surprised if it slipped off off your radar but yeah I guess we need to get back together uh at some point once we've all seen it so I can find out your views I need to I need to know now (laughs) this is this is basically the beginning of us doing like a little a little spin-off podcast of just being like shit that Zoe made us watch but like and then tell her and then to work out whether we were traumatized or not <laughs> but I mean I think I can really relate to what you were saying Zoe about feeling like you don't fit I never felt like I really fitted in with my peers to be honest and you know I like I had friends and everything else but you know really not like it at school weren't really meant for me to be sort of sat still for hours and hours, <laughs> hours and hours at a time. And I think that feeling of not fitting in, that alienation is what is so, I think, so ripe for horror to explore. And I'm I'm surprised that, I mean, I know we've got some really brilliant examples that we've all talked about, but it's just surprising to me there aren't more because that feeling of just being totally like alienated and thinking I'm the only person who thinks this or feels like this. Is is such a powerful like experience, and you could do so much with it. Maybe we should we should write it. We should have a, a ghouls. We should all just write a coming of age horror together. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> I think that's the best idea that's come out of this podcast so far. <laughs>
I'm up for it. Let's let's do it. Ariel, you're directing. Deal. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm down with that. I'm down. With Hell that. yeah. <laughs> we have to we have to make it. You know, something very different in the vein of Heather's meets. You know, I mean Heather's already is Heather's meets Mean Girls, but then like, uh, let's see what what else could we throw in? We we got to throw in some the craft. We have to have an orgy scene. Yeah. Uh, we have to have lots of kink and BDSM. We need yes. to have like all the things. I think, I think this is doable. I think this yeah. is doable. And a lot of body horror, please. Let's have a lot, a lot of, of body things, horror. You know, things squishing out where they shouldn't be, or squishing in, yep. or you know, just things. <laughs> <with squishing. laughs> it took me a second to realize what you said. <laughs> Well, the squishing in could be part of the RG scene, I guess. We could combine the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go hand in hand pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone is listening and you've got money and you want to make a, a movie, you know, if you're a big time producer, get on this shit right here. We get the best ideas. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love it. Well, I am. I can't wait for this film. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, thank you all for joining me today to discuss coming of age horror. Um, before I go, uh, before I go, where am I going? I'm just leaving you guys here. Before we go, um, I'm going to go round and ask you if there's anything you'd like to plug, anything you've been working on, um, and also where everyone that is listening can follow you. So Meg, why don't you start? Oh, well, thank you. Um, so I am co-host of the Monstrous Flesh podcast, available wherever you get your spooky podcasts. Uh, and we just dropped episode two, which is about teeth. Um, and uh, I've got an upcoming editorial coming out in the first edition of Blood Letter Mag, which I'm very, very excited for. Um, so I'll keep your eyes peeled for that. I wrote, it, oh, in fact, I'll not tell you, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you what I wrote it on, so it's a surprise. Um, and yeah, uh, I think that's about all I'm working on. I'd love if people listen to the podcast. Uh, and if people want to follow me, they can find me at monstrous underscore Meg on Instagram. And on Twitter, but who's on Twitter anymore? Not me. I've got the page. I don't use it. <laughs> I'm still a I'm still a Twitter whore. I can't help myself. I just love being able to tweet shit, which on Instagram I've got to curate it. Yes. I'm like this I can't just Instagram shit out into well, well, no, I could. I could. Yeah. Um <laughs> Thank you, Meg. And yes, Monstrous Flesh, listen to the new podcast because I have listened to the first two episodes. The first is on Ginger Snaps and the second um, was on Teeth, as you mentioned, and they are fantastic episodes. So, yes, do have a listen to that. Uh, Kat, what about you? So I am on uh, Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter whilst it remains in this world um, at Gizmo Shikari. Um, in terms of writing, I've recently had an essay published in the US release of Hypochondriac, which I am super excited about. And coming at some point this year, there are some other essays from some other releases which may or may not align with some of the things that we've spoken about on this podcast. You'll have to uh, keep your eyes and ears open. I love how omnious everyone's being with all these projects and all, this, all these secrets that we've got to find out yet. Um, and also, Kat, I have to say... 
that you have also been nominated as one of uh, Horrified Magazine's British Horror Heroes. So that is very well deserved because, yeah, I think I put in my tweet that you are one of the most, you know, hardworking journalists out there. So, yeah, congratulations for being featured on the list. Thank you. And congratulations on yourself and Rebecca, who's not on here, for uh, for being such great company on that list. Yeah, it is a great, great list. Um, yeah, don't know why. Don't know why I'm on it. But uh, now we will go over to Iona. What about you? Oh, I mean, you can see me on pretty much any socials that you can think of. Uh, my, my my handle is usually fall underscore out underscore Iona, because as I say every time I tell people this handle, I am still a dirty emo kid, and I, I, I will defend it till the end of the earth. I'm never changing it. People can fight me. Um, <laughs> and you can also see me uh, doing various podcasts here and there I love being a guest so I just kind of float into other people's podcasts every now and then and I'm like oh hey I'm just going to talk shit for like an hour for you um and then obviously primarily you can find me on Ghouls Magazine and we have a lot of fun stuff over there um we've got lots of fun stuff coming up this year as well which yeah just uh just you guys wait and see it'll be it's gonna be a wild one for us yeah, you, Iona, are going to be hosting some um, cool panel discussions as well at our Goose Magazine uh, event nights, including the upcoming one on the Evil Dead and the Blair Witch Project, right? Yes, I absolutely adore doing these screenings because they are so much fun to kind of get involved in. And I'm going to be, yeah, hosting hosting some panels, doing some Q&As with people, and just kind of yelling into a room about my obsession and ramblings about these random films. So I'm very, very excited about Evil Dead. It is one of my faves. So we're going to have a wild time. It's going to be fun. Everyone must bring their bring their boomsticks along with them. Um, and Ariel, what about you? So I can be found on Instagram and uh, a couple other places like Facebook that no one else has ever mentioned on here so far but um uh i'm at just ask abaska on um on instagram and i'm you know slowly disappearing off of twitter like a lot of people at this point um but i i really am most easily found at arielbaska.com which is my personal website uh, which, of course, links to Ghouls and all of my fabulous work on there. And uh, my podcast, Ride the Omnibus, is parked at the intersection of pop culture and social justice. And my definition of social justice is basically elevating the voices of women creators and BIPOC creators, LGBTQ plus creators, um, and so I mostly just interview horror and documentary directors I like. So. Um, since I am also myself a horror and documentary director, I feel like that's where I can have the most valuable conversations. Uh, we're coming up on our 200th episode soon, um, which is actually going to be um, a rehash of the conversation I had at South by Southwest with Addison Hyman, the director of Hypochondriac, as well as P. Woodruff and Kaya Amara, two other disabled uh, filmmakers who 
uh, we got together and talked about disability and horror. And uh, that it also incidentally happens to be the topic of my festival that I'm running in July. So uh, if you want more information on that, look me up. No big deal. Just, you know, running your own festival. It's not, not a big deal or anything. But you also... Ariel, uh, I saw you are going to be, uh, um, you and Robbie are doing a talk at uh, Final Girls Film Festival. Am I correct? You are correct. Final Girls Berlin has Brain Binge happening in June. And so as a result, uh, part of that is that we are giving a talk on extremity and intersectionality, the agony and the ecstasy. So I'm really excited about talking about extreme horror because, as Zoe said, we are six months. So, you know. Yes, I'm very looking forward to that. I am away with friends. I'm on a surprise trip. Who, I've got no idea where. But I was like, yeah, guys, just make sure there's internet because I have shit to watch. So, <laughs> I will be there probably in a mountain somewhere, like streaming into that. Um, thank you again for joining me talking about coming of age horror. Um, and I just want to give a quick shout out to some of our members and say a big thank you for continuing to support us. So big shout out goes to our new members, Liz, Joe and Canal. Thank you for your support. Um, if you like what you hear, give us a like, subscribe, rate, on whichever platform you are listening to. If you want more Ghouls Magazine podcast episodes, you can become a Ghouls member um, for just 99p for the first month. So check our show notes or head to ghoulsmagazine.com for more information. You can also find us as Ghouls Mag uh, and Ghouls Magazine on all of your favorite social media channels. I have been your host, Keep It Ghoulish. <laughs>